Amen. If you're able, would you remain standing to honor God's word? It comes to us from Jeremiah chapter 35. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of King Jehoiakim, son of Josiah of Judah, go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jazaniah, son of Jeremiah, son of Hebazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chambers of the son of Hanan and Igdalah, the man of God which was near the chamber of the officials, above the chamber of Messiah, son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Have some wine. But they answered, We will drink no wine, for our ancestor Jonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us, You shall never drink wine, neither you nor your children, nor shall you ever build a house or sow a seed, or shall you plant a vineyard or even own one, but you shall live in tents all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you reside. We have obeyed the charge of our ancestor Jonadab, son of Rechab, in all that he commanded us to drink no wine in all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, our daughters, and not to build houses to live in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that our ancestor Jonadab commanded us. But when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came up against the land, we said, Come and let us go into Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Arameans. That is why we are living in Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Last week we saw another uh, terrible tragedy on the news in South Korea as a stampede caused the loss of life of 154 people. That crash, the crush took place after more than 100,000 people, many wearing costumes, crowded into a Seoul's nightlife uh, district to celebrate Halloween. And after the paramedics, the police started to arrive, there was an unbelievable scene as there were scattered bodies lying around everywhere. And while responders were giving CPR, the music in the nightclubs continued to go on and fill the streets with sound, and unaffected partygoers could be seen going in and out of the clubs. One person on the scene said this, the worst part was that while people were giving CPR and dying, the clubs were still going, and they kept going till 4 a.m., Suwon, a high school student, said he saw some partygoers still drinking and singing right next to the bodies on the street. I lost my faith in humanity, he said. I thought about that as I studied this text this week. What an awful story. But I wonder if Jeremiah was feeling the same thing. And I wonder if he was close to the point of saying, I have lost my faith in humanity. He had seen so much. People willfully disobeying and doing shameful acts. Pride, arrogance, idolatry. Inside the temple, outside the temple. Even human sacrifice. Turning a blind eye to tragedy and seemingly losing all touch with empathy. God had been watching all of this, and Jeremiah was sent to deliver a message, a hard message, and no one listened. 
I wonder if Jeremiah was at the point of losing his faith in humanity. Everyone's doing wrong. No one's listening. Why are they acting this way? It must have been a very low point. And that brings us to our text this morning. Now, the Babylonians had begun their siege of Jerusalem, and that siege took around 10 years. So we don't know exactly where this story fits in that timeline. Um, But it's sometime after the Babylonians came in the siege of Jerusalem, after some time when some people were taken away. And there was this little-known group of people called the nomadic people called the Rechabites. They lived in wilderness areas. They never settled down. But today in our text, we discover an odd thing for them. They are inside the city walls of Jerusalem because outside the city walls, Babylon had come and their armies, they were looking for safety. They didn't want to be captured. They were looking for some kind of shelter. So they moved into Jerusalem, these nomadic people, the Rechabites. Verse 2, we read, God says to Jeremiah, I want you to go visit these people, the Rechabites, Invite them to meet with you in one of the rooms of God's temple, in my temple, and I want you to serve them wine. So Jeremiah pulls them into the deacon room of the church, right? Um, And he says, and then Jeremiah set out chalices, pitchers of wine for the Rechabites, and said, here, a toast, drink up. Okay, what's going on here? This is a strange story. This is a strange chapter of the Bible if, on one, in one sense. <clears throat> why is God giving, in the middle of a siege, in the middle of all this, why is God saying, you know what we need to do now is we need to get this group of people and give them a drink? It seems so odd. Right now, in the middle of the siege of Jerusalem, and by the way, hasn't God been really upset and angry up till now? I mean, rightfully so. Hasn't he been losing his patience and, and, and just, I'm done with these people? Hasn't he been filled with disappointment? And hasn't he brought on exile and all these things? What is going on that God now says, you know what we need to have inside the temple is a toast with these particular people. Bring some people into my house and then we're going to have a drink. Strange story. But as it turns out, the Rechabite people were very unique They were a unique lot, and they lived by some unique community rules and guidelines. They were never allowed to drink any wine. Not their children, not any of them, ever. They weren't allowed to build houses or settle in one place, or plant vineyards or plant any seeds, have any farmland. They weren't allowed to own property, and they were expected to live in tents. Why? Well, their forefather hundreds of years ago, had told them, this is the way you should live. And they did. And they honored it. They made a promise. They made a vow. And all these years, this nomadic people did what their forefather told them to do. Some speculate they might have been metal workers or built chariots. Uh, we, We actually don't know what they did to keep a living. We know that they were nomadic, and we also know at some point they began to worship the God of Israel, Yahweh. I like to think of them as kind of a modern day, you know those nomadic people that live in vans and go to courtside, 
You know, these people, did you ever see there's a movie about this? They, they never really settle down. They live in their RV and, and they spend half the year in courtside and they have these, they're a little, they're, they're a little strange, are they not? I mean, they're a little odd. Um, that's not the way Presbyterians live, but, you know, but they're, they're quirky, but, but they're committed. <laughs> they're committed to that lifestyle. And they do have some very unique social customs, do they not? So here we have a group of people who made a vow and kept a promise hundreds of years not to drink. And God asked Jeremiah to bring them into the temple, into the deacon room, pour out some wine, pitchers of it, offer a toast, and say, drink up. Now remember, we're at the point where Jeremiah is probably about ready to lose his faith in humanity, if he hasn't already. Pitchers of wine in the church. Now, this is not the favorite story in the Bible for teetotaling Baptists. Presbyterians and Episcopals kind of like this story. You know what they say whenever three or four Episcopalians gather, there's a fifth. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah, as we have seen in such a remarkable way throughout this book, he obeys God. He obeys. He pours out pitchers of wine in front of them, offers a toast and says, would you drink up? And the Rechabite people politely refuse. Verse 6, they wouldn't do it. We don't drink wine, they said. Our ancestor Jonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us, you are not to drink wine, you or your children ever. And we've kept that promise, they said. All of us, we've always lived by that. And several other promises. Because our ancestor told us to. Therein lives this lesson. The Rechabites were not even sons of Israel, and they had remained faithful to promises that they had, remained, that they had been given in response to a command given to them by their forefather. Whereas, on the other hand, the sons and daughters of Israel had completely forgotten the promises of their heavenly father. Of God. They were proof that a group of people could keep their promises for over 250 years and remain faithful. When Israel had a father, they forgot, ignored, and even worse, willfully disobeyed. Now, of all the people who needed a drink, I would say it was the Rechabite people. It wasn't a sin. It was a time of high stress. And maybe we don't want to upset the host, you know, who's offered it to us, a prophet of God. But they politely said, no, we're a people of promise. We keep promises. We're going to keep listening to the voice that told us no. 
And that promise has shaped our community. Jeremiah was shown a group of people who kept their vow, who honored the promise. God was pleased, and he looked down, and he said, these Rechabite people who are nomadic, that you've discounted, that you haven't paid any attention to, look what they've been doing all along. They've been living faithfully. They've been keeping their promises, keeping vows. I like this, and I like what they've been doing. I want my people to listen to the voice of their father and follow it. I love the picture of God that we are shown here. He sees everything. And, and he sees Jeremiah, I think, hurting. I think this lesson is certainly for us, and it was certainly for the Hebrew people, but I also think this is for Jeremiah himself. God was saying, I want you to not lose faith and hope. This life of faith, this life where you do keep promises and, and walk this way can be done. It is possible. This was all orchestrated so that Jeremiah could see it and God cared about him. Booker T. Washington described a meeting. He met an ex-slave from Virginia once and this man had, had left Virginia and he, he had been given the opportunity to go to Ohio and raise enough money uh, raise enough money to pay off his master so that he could have his freedom. But that was no small task. It took a lot of time, and he would send money back, and he would send money. And during the time that he was trying to raise enough money to be freed, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. Finally, after working and working and working, this slave had enough money, and he started to walk from Ohio to Virginia to pay off his master. And on the journey, he met Booker T. Washington, who said, haven't you heard? There's no need for this. There's no need. You've been freed. The Emancipation Proclamation has been issued. You don't need to do this anymore. And he said, oh, I know. Oh, I'm very aware. But I made a promise. And I'm going to fulfill that promise. Jesus said, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. He wants us to keep promises. God keeps promises. It's one of the amazing things we discover in this book. This chapter is more than just about the great example of the Rechabites, which is wonderful. It's more than that because as we read through, we read about their faith and how they kept the promise, how they lived and were shaped. We discover something else at the end of this chapter. This is verse 19. God says, receive this message from the God of Israel there will always be a descendant of Jonadab, son of Rechab, at my service, always. Did you hear that? At the end of the chapter, God makes a promise. I will allow their descendants to always be at my service and be near me. That's a pretty amazing promise. It's even more amazing when we discover what is said in the book of Nehemiah. Remember the exiles were going to be 70 years in Babylon? 
Now imagine, fast forward a hundred years, Ezra and Nehemiah, and God keeps his promise and he brings the people out of exile. And what do they do? They start to rebuild Jerusalem. They start to rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple. And there's this little verse in the midst of Nehemiah that you might read over really fast, but it says this, the dung gate itself, one of the gates of Jerusalem, the dung gate itself was rebuilt by Malkijah, son of Rechab, the mayor of the district. He repaired it, hung its doors, installed its bolts and bars. God kept that promise. There will always be a Rechabite at my service. That's what God does. He keeps promises. This table and these elements, this bread and cup, was prepared in our deacon closet, in our deacon room here in the church. And there is grape juice, wine, and bread. And God invites us to come. And what does he say? Eat, drink, do this in remembrance of me. We come to this table and we do eat and we do drink because God keeps his promises. And he said, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember all my promises that I've made. I keep them all. Mostly his promise to love us and to give us an eternal covenant, which we celebrate here at this table. Jesus died and rose again and gave his life a ransom for many. So friends, come. You're invited. Those who confess their sins and trust in Jesus are invited to come and remember and celebrate the promises of God. <laughs>